0: Hello, I am Matt Williamson at Williamson NFL coming at you every day here. And yesterday we went over some general nuggets, you know, going pretty deep into this Thursday night affair in Cleveland. I have a few more to add that are sort of general as well as when Pittsburgh has the ball. But the majority of today's podcast is going to focus around Cleveland when they have the football. So let's just dig right in. A um, couple of disturbing things. I, my, I think I told you this yesterday. One of my new pet projects, things to kind of look at here are first downs and touchdowns. You know, how often per play are you producing first downs and touchdowns? You want to stay out of third downs in the NFL. So how about this? I just found this one out this morning. No offense in the NFL has produced more first downs than the Browns. The Bears are the only offense in the league that have produced fewer first downs than the Steelers. And remember, the Steelers played an overtime game. And the Steelers defense has allowed more first downs gained than any defense but three. That last one doesn't bother me as much because they played a little more football than most teams, playing nine quarters instead of most teams playing eight. Still not wonderful. I mean, I I am absolutely going to pay attention to first downs produced in this game. Um, Along those lines, this is a little frightening too. Time of possession, and this does not include overtime where I get these numbers from. The Browns are third in the NFL in possessing the football. 35 minutes and 20 seconds. Steelers, 30th. Possessing the football for just 24 and a half minutes a game, give or take. That's 10 minutes difference of playing time. Massive. And that is despite... Pittsburgh's plus four turnover differential is better than every team in the league except for Jacksonville's, which you'd think would lead to more time of possession, more first downs. Hasn't. Browns are at plus one. Fine. Okay. Um a couple nuggets here for when the Steelers have the ball before that I, I hadn't yet dug up. Um in in their first two games, this is kind of interesting in a positive note for the Steelers receivers, who I think are going to be. The, uh, the best group the Cleveland's faced yet. They played the Panthers in week one, the Jets in week two, although the Jets' young receivers are pretty exciting. But anyway, in their first two games, Cleveland has allowed two wide receivers, Garrett Wilson and Robbie Anderson, to eclipse 100 receiving yards, and they surrendered 83 yards to Corey Davis. Uh, the Browns have also allowed both tight ends they have faced to gain 40 or more yards as well. So, skill guys are putting up numbers against the Brownies. I think that's big. Um, A couple other nuggets here from when the Steelers have the football. So Mitch Trubisky threw the ball 33 times against the Patriots last week. This bothers me. Five of those 33 pass attempts were inside the numbers per NFL next generation stats. You got to attack the middle of the field. This offense didn't attack the middle of the field nearly enough last year. In the preseason, it looked like that was a point of emphasis. Practice, that looked like a point of emphasis. And... You know, the Patriots played a lot of cover one. They were begging Mitch to take deep shots. He didn't that much. They were flooding the middle of the field a little bit more. So that's part of the reason why. I mean, they were throwing outside the numbers, but just the trend I'm really monitoring is I, I want to see, I'm not even single out Trubisky. I just want the offense to attack them between the numbers. You know, Friar Moose getting a lot of attention, but I mean, in general, Claypool from the slot. So there you go. Um, the Browns defense has been the most fortunate in the league in terms of their average starting field position. So you know, maybe they've been inflated a little bit because they haven't been asked to do a ton. You know, I mean, it's starting out with great field position is extremely important. I know it's only two games, so it's not a the, the huge sample size, and that's true for all these. But um, I, I did just want to make note of that. Um, this Browns defense to me is, yeah. I'm not super impressed, to be very honest with you. And Clowney's out. Not that he's tremendous. He's an overrated guy as well. Uh, they have some playmakers on the back end, but and Garrett obviously is a straw that serves the drink. But all in all, I don't think this is a great defense. I expect the Steelers to have some success, particularly on the ground up the middle. Um, let's take a quick break. I know it's a short segment, but we will be back to talk about when Cleveland has football. Here we go. Um, Some of these go back to last year, as was yesterday's pod. Uh, The two matchups last year, Steelers had 13 sacks against the Browns in those two matchups. But five and a half of them were by T.J. Watt, as you'd expect. Um, Last week, the Steelers failed to record a sack, as you know. Second time in their most recent 92 games that has occurred. So in the last 92 games, twice they have not recorded a sack. Uh, last year, those two meetings, they kept Nick Chubb to just 119 rushing yards, um, 28 carries for only 119 yards. You'll take that all day long against Chubb. And in those games, no other Browns ball carrier got more than five carries in either games. Um, week one in Carolina, Browns' passing game produced just 3.9 yards per passing play. I mean, that's, that's lower than what the Steelers have been doing this year. But that's only one game. You know, that was their first game. Um, this one's pretty impressive by Cleveland, considering where they're at, who their quarterback is, all that. The Browns are averaging 200 and a half yards rushing per game, the best in football. No other offense is even at 190. So they're 10 yards better than anybody else in the league running the ball in terms of yards per game. Nick Chubb, Chubb only, and I put that in quotes, only rushed for 87 yards last week. But he's rushed for at least 100 yards in 23 games since 2018. Him and Derrick Henry are tied for that. What's weird, though, is including his playoff career, Chubb has only received 20 or more carries 12 times in his 61 games. Only had 17 carries last week, but... It happened to find the end zone three times. I mean, having Kareem Hunt obviously affects that as well. Um, The Browns ran for 184 yards last week and 217 in week one. Uh, 228 of those rushing yards were by Chubb, who has 256 total yards this year. Pretty impressive. Their split's pretty obvious, though. I mean, Hunt played 36 snaps last week. Hunt played 31. Chubb ran a pass route on 15 plays which is more than he used to hunt did. So only on 16, so about the same. Um, so that's just, you know, Chubb is only out snapping him right now. 76 to 70 or 78 to 76 in Chubb's favor. So they're pretty close to a 50, 50 split. Um, only four defenses have rushed, have faced more rushing attempts than the Steelers. I can't see that number going down unless the Steelers get a huge lead on Thursday. Not really betting on that. Um, Donovan's Peoples-Jones is an outside toolsy receiver. Their number two guy that I like quite a bit is an up-and-coming player. He was targeted 11 times in week one, but just once last week. A little odd. Um, Amari Cooper got nine of Brissett's 27 targets in week two, catching them all for 101 yards and a touchdown. So maybe he's coming on a little bit. Um, Cooper and Peoples-Jones both played 54 snaps last week. Davis, David Bell was the highest receiver in snap, snap counts, not named Cooper or jo- Peoples-Jones, only 20. So it's really two guys. Uh, Cooper ran a route on 29 plays last week. Peoples-Jones and Njoku were both at 28 routes run. It's really the three of them that are on the field for every passing play, and Njoku is basically their third receiver. Um, you know, th- th- Cooper and Peoples-Jones are just dominating the snap counts. I mean, those two are at... 120 and 118 snaps between the two of them. No other Browns wide receiver has even seen 43. So it's those two kind of like I mentioned before, though, with the Brownies, the Steelers have already allowed three wide receivers, Jamar chase, Nelson Aguilar and Jacoby Myers to at least reach 95 yards in a game this season. So three receivers have gotten to 95 yards or more against Pittsburgh already. Um, David, I mentioned how much David Njoku is playing. Uh, there's only been 13 snaps in which Njoku has not been on the field. And he leads all the skill guys for the Browns, receivers, running backs, tight ends in, in snaps played this year. So Njoku is a foundational player for them. The numbers haven't quite reflected it yet, but I mean, he, he's playing a ton. Um, Harrison Bryant was the second highest involved tight end. He only played 32 snaps. Um, so they do want to play a lot of double tight end sets. Jesse James, a familiar name is there. I think he's out for Thursday's game. You expect to see Nijoku every snap. Um, I, I was interested in the Steelers snap counts for their big people last week. And here's how that played out. There were 68 defensive snaps for the Steelers. Cam played 52 of them. Ogan Joby played 43. Uh, Alu Alu was on for 32 snaps. Wormley played 22. DeMarvin Liao pay, played 16 impressive snaps. I thought he was pretty darn good. And Montrevious Adams also chipped in with 11 snaps. So similar to last week against the Patriots, I would expect those nose tackles, Alu Alu, Adams, to you know maybe combine for somewhere in the neighborhood of 43 snaps that they did this past week. And the big people on the edge, Liao, Hayward, Wormley, might get a little bit of spike too with Watt being out and and doing that bigger package that they did in this one too against a power run team. Um, Three other little nuggets here. Brissett is at 2.9 seconds average time to throw. That's the sixth slowest in the league. I'm just factoring that in from a pass rush perspective. And it's not like they're hitting bombs left and right because he's holding the ball and having longer developing routes. I uh, mentioned field position before being great for the Browns D. Well, it's also been great for their offense. Only the Jags and Chargers have started their drives with better average field position than the Browns. Field position is going to be really important in this game. Um, Brown's offense is converting on 53.3% of their third down attempts. That's fourth best in the league. Steelers defense is allowing the opponent to convert on third downs 51.5% of the time. That's 28th best in the league. So some of these third downs, field position, things like that, on paper as we stand here today, greatly favor Cleveland. And a lot of it comes down to the running game. Um, last two little nuggets here. Percy Harvin right now is eighth highest in the NFL in terms of his punting average. Cade York has not missed a field goal for the Browns. Boz has only missed one. And it's also now apparent where the Steelers special team snaps are going. So when you wonder why some of these guys are active or why they're on the team, you know, these guys have all played, lead the team with 38 special team snaps, which means they're all out there for every phase of special teams. They're core special teamers. That's Connor Hayward. That's Benny Snell. Jameer Jones. Jameer Jones helps this team more than people realize. Derek Watt, as you would expect, and Miles Killebrew. They've all played 38 special team snaps. Miles Boykin's next at 33 and has done it quite well. Uh, Pierre Norwood, Marcus Allen. They've all played 22 or more. So those are the names you'd expect but that stuff's important you know I mean why is Benny Snow out there he can't do anything why they've Derek Watt on here well they're core core special teamers and now it's become apparent through two games who they're really going to count on for those snaps that I found out. So there you have it uh, I will be back at you tomorrow